Hey everybody, welcome to Conejo Valley Visionaries, a new podcast spotlighting the people and stories behind some of your favorite Conejo Valley small businesses. I'm your host, Christina Denstead. Today we're speaking with Marina Edelman, licensed marriage and family therapist and owner of Edelman Counseling. Marina's career began in finance, where she worked as an analyst for a Fortune 500 company. After having children and relocating to the Conejo Valley, Marina decided to pursue a career pivot and follow her childhood dreams of pursuing a career in psychology. After getting her Master of Arts in Psychology, Marina opened her private practice in Westlake in 2009. In our conversation, Marina shares how her upbringing in the former Soviet Union informed her first career choice, what appealed to her about becoming a therapist, and how Marina leveraged her financial background to help market her therapy practice when she first opened it. Of course, Marina shares some of her hot tips for couples as well as her favorite Conejo Valley date spots. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Marina Edelman. Hey, Marina, welcome to Conejo Valley Visionaries. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Christina. Thank you for having me. Of course, it is my absolute pleasure. Um, you know, we have, we go back a little bit and it is a thrill to be able to speak to you and learn a little bit more about your background, where you started, where you are now, what's um, going in the, in the future. But, you know, I always love to kind of get a better understanding of what it was like when you were growing up. What were you, you know, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? What did you study in school? Um, so let's take it back to childhood days. I love that. Also, there was that you do. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I was born in former Soviet Union, and then we immigrated to United States, and I really wanted to be a psychiatrist. And my parents thought that was crazy because psychiatry in Russia, former Russia, was like just for crazy people. Hmm. So they were like, no, you're really good at math, so become an accountant. So I did. <laughs> And um, I did that for a little bit. And then I, long story short, my husband and I got married. We had children, moved to Germany. From Germany, moved to California. And I was going to go back to work as a financial uh, analyst. And I just couldn't do it. So I didn't. I went back to school and I became a therapist. Okay. Well, I feel like there's a lot within that though, that we should unpack. So, um, what about, were you at all interested in finance when you first were studying accounting or was it purely just like, let me do as my parents, you know, tell me. So a little bit of both, like immigrant kids kind of are compliant with their parents. Okay. Um, but I how did. Old, how old were you when you immigrated? Eight. Okay. Oh gosh. Yeah. So that's like, so you had some formative years. Yeah. Interesting. So I did like accounting. I did more like the analysis part. So it was like um, doing uh, balance sheets, but also analyzing like why is the budget what it is and like how do we actual versus budgeted amounts. So it was a little bit more analytical. Like should we lease equipment? Should we buy Hmm. equipment? Okay. I did like it. But then like when I had kids and there were three and four, thinking about sitting behind a desk or like a cubicle from eight to five, month end close just did not fit with what I wanted motherhood to be or what kind of life I wanted for myself, which is why I'm like, I think I want to go back to school. Yeah, that's so interesting. So like psychiatry was actually an interest for you as a child, but then also 
did you did you actively consider it when you were thinking like this is what I want my life to be like and that like that kind of like backfilled into it as well yes Okay. Exactly. But then when I went back to school later, going to medical school was just not an option, mm-hmm. which is why I chose therapy. Okay. But that like fulfilled that need of being with other people and making like not even making a difference in their life, but like joining in in their lives and their mm-hmm. journey, like really appealed to me. As a kid, were you sort of inquisitive in nature and sort of uh, did you have those tendencies with your friends or family members to want to be a part of their, I guess, maybe decision making or understanding their decisions? So I'm an only child and my parents are only children and three out of four grandparents. So we have like such a small family. Mm -hmm. So I felt like kind of like almost a parentified child, like I was part of the decisions because Mm. there were no other siblings and my parents got divorced. So I was kind of like part of that whole process. But then, yes, like my, because I'm an only child, my friends become like my sisters. I get super close and I maintain long relationships, like even long distance. So I was part of like their boyfriend drama, mom (laughs) drama and like discussing things. (laughs) I bet that was good practice, but also as it became your profession, maybe, you know, having to make those divides are part of the challenge, maybe. Yeah, setting boundaries. I even got my friends, we just got together and I got them a sign that says, I'm not your therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's smart and clear, loud and her loud and clear, I am sure. So tell me, what was it? I I sort of mistracked. Where did you you and your husband meet, and then you moved to Germany together. Is that what I understand? Okay. We met in Philadelphia and Mm -hmm. then we got married. Um, He grew up in Germany. So he also immigrated from former Soviet Union, but his family went to Germany Mm -hmm. and he got a really great job offer for QVC. So we moved to Germany for that. And our son was born there. How was that experience? What part of Germany were you in? Actually, we lived in Dusseldorf for two years and Hamburg for two years. Did you? Yeah. I loved being part of the expat community. I loved being in Europe. We traveled everywhere. So that was incredible. Raising, like having a baby in Germany was different than in America. Um, But having kids in Europe was really wonderful experience. And so your son was born there. And did you have your second child there as well? Or were you already back in California? So our daughter's actually older. older. She was born in New Jersey. And then when I stopped working, we wanted to have kids really close together. So then our son was born in Germany. Okay, great. And so when you moved back to California, that's when you had young children at home and decided, you know, not to revisit a financial profession, but go into, uh, into your original dream of, of therapy. So what, um, what were those steps to get started on that second path? Was it easy or was there a transition? How did that work? It was kind of hard actually, because I was looking at different programs and I didn't want to drive far. So there were so many like things that I was looking at, but then I wanted the experience to just like sit with a client and be in the room, but then manage like, cause my husband worked full time, like mm-hmm. managing all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose a school that's not very well known. And right now it moved and it's not like a big school, but it gave me a lot of hands-on experience with clients immediately. So okay. I love that. 
Were you already living in the Conejo Valley at that point? Yeah, we lived oh. in land grants. Okay. And so how long was your, your program or were you doing that? Cause you had young kids. Were you able to do it during the day or did you have to figure out how to balance it in your schedule? So I did it full time. I did it on, um, I went there Saturdays and then like one day during the week and then in the evenings. So just to get it done within two years. Okay. Um, so it was tough, but doable. Okay. <laughs> And it was a very sort of like application-based approach, it sounds like. Like you were with clients, you were sort of learning as yeah. part of the process. Exactly. And at what point did you decide, okay, you're doing this? And I guess when you were in it, did you realize that you actually wanted to become a therapist? Because I feel like sometimes people go through schooling like that and they're like, oh, never mind. That's not what I thought it was going to be. Um, but did you know throughout that, that you know, you actually wanted to either create a practice or work for somebody else afterwards? So I initially went into this wanting actually to be a child therapist. Mm. And when I graduated, um, I did actually before I even graduated, I did my um, internship in a school setting. And then I realized, like, I can't be a child therapist. I just like my heart just broke, like working with kids and then coming home to my own kids. It was just I couldn't do it. So I actually shifted and started to really focus on families, marriage, and um, individuals. But I really loved couples counseling, like a lot. So I kind of leaned into that. And did you get your, I know you have several like different certifications you can share with us. I think you mentioned the Gottman Institute. Are are those things that happen during school or are they kind of uh, certifications you get afterwards to really like narrow down your focus? It was afterwards. Okay. So um, I got my master's. And then after that, like after I collected, you need 3,000 hours before mm-hmm. you can actually get licensed. Okay. And then after I got licensed, I pursued other certifications like Gottman, emotional focus therapy, um, mediation, and so on. When you graduated, did you then, so you had to have 3,000 hours. So at what point then did you decide to start your private practice? Edelman Counseling kind of came about as my associates came on, Um, but I sort of like went into it immediately because I found, so we need supervisors as I was collecting my hours. Um, I found supervisors that said like, we'll sign off on your hours, but you have to get your own clients, which is kind of hard (laughs) to do. Uh And especially as an intern before your license, you can't accept insurance, but that turned out to kind of be sort of a good thing because I started marketing and putting my name out there Mm -hmm. and just getting clients on my own. What type of marketing were you doing at that point? What year was this? Oh my gosh. So I've been licensed. I got licensed. When did I get licensed? 2000, like 14 years ago, I got licensed. No, 15 years ago. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, yeah so this was like pre like what we know today is like easy marketing right like this is pre-social yeah. media marketing this is yeah. all this right so you what what did that look like then when you're trying to get new clients so interestingly I brought my financial background back mm-hmm. and I um started doing financial therapy and What's financial oh, therapy like focus and that's one of my subspecialties like if you Go on my website, you can see it. Okay. 
And um, that became a really great thing because I could advertise myself. As an intern, you can't advertise. So your your supervisor can, but you can't. Mm -hmm. So I did it by um, being in the ACORN. Um, I gave some interviews on financial therapy in like different publications. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the Lily from Washington Post interviewed me. So I just kind of like put it out there. Smart. Mm -hmm. More like organic kind of expert. You're the expert voice. Yeah. I, I'm not familiar with financial. Um, what, sorry. Yeah. Financial therapy. What can you explain what that is? So a lot, I mean, money is part of our lives all the time and yeah. no matter what you do. And I feel like people have sometimes unhealthy relationships with money, but we don't really talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like people will be so forward with sharing anything about their lives but if you ask them how much they make, they won't share it. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we're curious about how much somebody spends on something or how much their house costs. So I like realize that a lot of people have hangups about money. They underspend, which sounds like a good thing. But if you're living way below your means, that's just as bad as living way above your means. Huh. There's something called uh, financially enabling, like sometimes parents throw money at their children to kind of influence their decisions, like where they're going to live or how, um, if they're going to be in a family business or not. Right. Yes. So there's like just so many elements that that comes in. Financial infidelity is a big topic that I talk about. And we kind of joke about it. Like you'll see memes and people will joke about like, hiding receipts or hoping their spouse isn't seeing the Amazon boxes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So those are just some of the examples okay. of what I do in financial therapy. And I can imagine, given also your work in couples therapy, how those two things would marry together or yeah. not nicely. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> some people just even like not even how much money they have or what their bank accounts are set up like, but if one person thinks it's okay to spend $20 on jeans and one thinks it's okay to spend 200, that means money means something very different to them. Right. No, that that's um, important and helpful to get to um, when you're in relationships. Um, speaking of which, so that's one part of the kind of services you offer. What other um, services or focuses do you offer to, uh, to your clients? So I actually don't work with children, but, and that's why I actually ended up bringing on associates and interns and made it Edelman Counseling because they work with children. Okay. Um, and I have some that really specialize in that, in like little kids mm -hmm. and adolescents. Um, also trauma focused therapy. Again, that's an area that my associates work on, especially using EMDR as an approach. Um, for me, I work with um, individuals that in life transitions, anxiety, depression, uh, stress. And I'm going to say like more than 60% of my practice now, maybe even more, is related to relationships. Like I've, I have a couple mother daughters. I have some families um, that I work with, but like very relationship focused. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's very proactive of a mother-daughter to have that, to go into counseling and, and, and smart because that's a tough relationship and <laughs> you need to um, sometimes have help getting through it. That's really amazing. Do you, I, I notice also that you offer 
Uh, is it like retreats or other services too that are more intensive? So uh, the last year and a half or so, I found that sometimes working with a couple once a week for 50 minutes or even extended an hour and a half, it just scratches the surface and we open up things and then we have to pack it up, close it back down like a sitcom and then be like, okay, see you next week. Good luck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I started offering these um, weekend intensives. And I've had about like 10 of them at this point. And people come in actually from all over the country. And we they do a Gottman assessment, which we can talk about a little bit more of what that is. Yeah. And then we meet together for literally 18 hours. And mm-hmm. I found that to be incredible, especially for healing old wounds mm-hmm. and seeking forgiveness and like really repairing and then learning how to have a successful relationship and even having chance to practice it. It sounds like a lot, but also I can imagine the before and after is uh, night and day. Yes. What yes. is, let's talk about the Gottman assessment. What is that? So John Gottman has been, he's really the only one that's really studied couples for over 40 years. And he has a great book uh, called Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work. And based on that, those seven principles and 40 years worth of research, there's an assessment that um, the Gottmans offer on their website uh, that you have to be invited to through a therapist. Mm -hmm. And it's about 500 questions Everything from like, um, you know, bids for a connection to division of labor, like an alcohol and other substance use or abuse. Mm -hmm. And then it gives me a a really great report that shows strengths and weaknesses of a couple. And it saves about five to six sessions because I can just look at it and then it tells me interventions. So when I meet with a couple, I already get a snapshot of what their relationship looks like. That's a handy tool. Do you recommend the Gottman books too as well or his books? I do. So I toyed between like using that approach and emotional focus therapy, which is also great. And I kind of in bring both in. Okay. Um, and now I'm going for my level three certification to be like a trainer and like more speaking mm-hmm. engagements. And I really love the Gottman method. So that book I feel like is you should get it when you get a marriage license because you might not have like an incredible marriage, but you will definitely have a happy functional marriage if you follow that. And do you recommend that people start therapy before they actually get married? Totally. I love doing premarital counseling Mm -hmm. because, and people will say to me like, that was like one of the best things because we go through like a fair proofing your relationship. Affairs are big and relationships. Mm -hmm. We talk about like the five ways that a couple is married and make sure that up, like make sure that they're compatible and have the tools to navigate all five of those pillars. So definitely. Do you think that there has been a shift in the stigma around therapy since you first um, became, got your certification and started your practice? Definitely. That's like a really great observation. I think TikTok for sure has pushed mental health and counseling therapy to like a different place in like very good ways and in not good ways necessarily. But yes, 
the stigma, although I do find people will refer to me for anxiety, depression, individual counseling, couples are still kind of concerned about saying we're in couples counseling and here's our therapist. Yeah, that makes, I, I could see that division, but I do agree, at least as an observer, that the frequency at which I hear friends or myself talk about therapy, you know, it's less, it feels um, easier to talk about and be open that everybody is, you know, dealing with something. So it's helpful to have uh, an, a, a real professional supporting you through that. Yeah, definitely. So when you think about the future of your business, what do you envision? Um, I envision using more technology, actually, okay. in my business, um, whether it's helping track if a couple is flooded so that there is like some sort of a device that would alert them that they're flooded and maybe they should stop arguing to really work on de-escalating. Um, what do you I, mean by flooded? I'm not familiar with that term. So we get into a flooded state when we are... Uh, heart rate goes 20 beats above resting. Okay. And that is usually when we go into this fight, flight, freeze mode. And we really do say things we don't mean because we're trying to create safety. So I even have like a little, I think it's an odometer to like put on your finger <laughs> to kind of mm -hmm. see what is your baseline. And when people come into my therapy session, I'll ask them to put that on or if they have a smart phone to kind of track it and to, and to like down regulate, like to start going into like calmer state and breathing um, through their diaphragm to really uh, access the best version of themselves and really what they want to say. So that's one of the things that I'm looking into, kind of bringing into my practice more other devices. Um, there's one thing that I looked at for phobias and it's really great. It's like whatever phobia you have, let's say flying, there's these like, it's a virtual reality um, <laughs> program. And then as a therapist, so you can do it over Zoom, you can do it anywhere or in the office and kind of like walk the client through what they're experiencing and how to create safety for themselves. Wow. That's, I, I would never think about how much technology could be integrated into a therapy session. I, I think I, I typically think of it as talk therapy, but um, bringing in these other elements that can mm -hmm. support and maybe expedite your healing, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. You think technology when it comes to Zoom or virtual therapy has been beneficial? It's been great. Like during um, COVID, when everything kind of shut down, yeah. I started to do Zoom even more than before mm -hmm. and uh, was able to just, I guess, like access people in um, different parts of California. But so that's been wonderful. And sometimes people are running late. It's easier to just kind of integrate it into their lives if they don't want to drive into the office or when it's raining like today. Yeah. And your practice is based in the Conejo Valley in Westlake, right? Yes. Yeah, it's literally on the lake. In <laughs> it's a beautiful place to be. What would you consider one of your biggest challenges running Edelman Counseling or just overall in your career? So from Edelman Counseling, it's um, one of the challenges is actually getting associates. There is with BetterHelp and iCouch, there is a lot of 
options for therapists. So getting a really good therapist is hard. And I love my therapists now. They're all incredible. So I'm feeling so happy and lucky. So that like recruiting for um, good therapists is difficult. Mm -hmm. For me, I love what I do. Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe people pay me (laughs) to do this. Like I love it. Yeah. And so to find like the challenge of getting new information and sitting with a client, but then also doing self-care and going on vacations, like saying no to some clients, like that becomes really hard. It sounds like a good problem to have, but also a one that, yes, you have to take your own advice. I'm sure you give that to your clients. So having to do it yourself and put it in practice. What What are you most proud of? Um, I'm actually really proud of some of the success stories that I've had, Hmm. whether it's like with clients coming in and being in this like really kind of a hopeless state, like nothing is working out for them, kind of feeling like the world is out to get them and like making that transformation and helping them truly self-actualize. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is something I've referred to a lot in my practice. And the final level is self-actualization when you feel so like you, the sense of belonging and calmness, and you are exactly where you're supposed to be. That's like the best thing to be part of people's journeys. I love it. I can only imagine how good that would feel. (laughs) So question for you about the Conejo Valley. Do you find it's a good place to start a small business? I do. I think people are very loyal to, Mm -hmm. um, use services in this area, like whether it's restaurants or local plumbers, like people have a lot of pride in this community. So I do, I think it's great. Well, speaking of uh, restaurants or local things to do, I'm curious, I know that you are a proponent for date nights and you're in a couple. Where is your favorite date night location in the Conejo Valley? So I really love Oak and Iron. I think it's a fun place to go. Sometimes I bump into clients there. <laughs> it's, um, a, it's a hot spot. It is. Um, I really like uh, some of the local restaurants and I kind of put different things on rotations and I love mm-hmm. new things like going to new places is so much fun for me. So right now I love uh, Crawford's and I love Moody Brewster. Um, I'm sure there's more. <laughs> Nona's is great. Well, I, I know, um, and I wanted to ask, like, if there's a, a, I know this is probably hard, but like a generalized tip that you give couples, you know, is it date night? I, I feel like I've seen that on some of your social media content. Is there something that like sort of stands out as to how you can take your relationship in your own hands and, and uh, move it forward? So one of the biggest things I'll say to couples, date nights are great, but really to have rituals to connect. There was a study that was done recently that an average a Los Angeles-based couple spends quality time together, like not on their phones, not talking about children, like real couple times mm-hmm. is 15 minutes a week, which is crazy. I thought you were going to say a day. My goodness. <laughs> that is no, not a lot like of time. Quality time. Just like connecting. Wow. Not shopping, not like nothing. And I suggest to my couples, like if you spend 15 minutes a day, like a quality time, just connecting, maybe that means you wake up extra before the kids are up and grab coffee together and just say like, what does your day look like? Or at night um, when whoever comes home, like you actually get up and greet them. 
And like that connection can make a world of difference. And it doesn't cost anything. It's like a small step. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm like shocked how many people don't have a nighttime routine. Like they'll sleep in their children's rooms or on the couch. And I'm like, go and floss your teeth together. <laughs> That's like a, such an intimate thing. It sounds like nothing, but it's so intimate. You would never really stand and brush your teeth and floss your teeth with like a guest thing at your house. So just do that. Your nervous system will align and feel more comfortable with your partner. That's a great takeaway. What is your, do you have a favorite activity in the Conejo Valley to get out there and be out there? I am doing what my husband and I are actually doing what everyone else I think is doing in Conejo Valley is playing pickleball. Okay. (laughs) You can't get a court. People are very protective of their pickleball. I'm not in the pickleball scene, so I don't know, but tell me. Yes. To find a pickleball court is hard, but when you find one, there's like Mm -hmm. a waiting Like you have to like put your racket in. And then if you're distracted talking to someone, people will be like, it's your turn. Go play pickleball. (laughs) So that was like my latest activity. (laughs) Oh, so fun. Are there public courts or is it more as part of like, um, like a racket club? No, there's public courts. There's like some in Dos Fientos, like the one I go to is in Oak Park. There's, I think someone, the one in Westlake, there's one like um, where the new YMCA is. There's like some courts there. Taking over. Amazing. Okay. So my last question for you is what is one piece of advice you would give to first time entrepreneurs or small business owners? I think you go with what you're really passionate about and you promote yourself. So Mm -hmm. some of my clients that are for individual therapy will talk about like business And that's not my area of expertise, business coaching, but I do work on confidence. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs feel really not comfortable promoting themselves. And I feel like if you're passionate, if you're a plumber, a seamstress, whatever your business is, if you just naturally talk about it, people won't feel like you're being salesy. They'll actually pick up on your positive intentions of just sharing something you're excited about. So don't be afraid to promote yourself. I love that. That is great. And I know that um, you are offering on your Instagram account a host of tips and information that people can go and learn more about you. Um, Speaking of that, would you be open to doing a giveaway of some sort for our listeners? I would. I think because I feel so strong about these Gottman um, uh, checkups, I would love to give one of those away. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's so kind, Marina. Okay, well, we'll let you guys know how to enter after the episode ends. But Marina, thank you so much. This was really interesting and and love to see that, you know, you can start in one career and then shift even after you have kids and go into something that you thought you wanted to do from the beginning. And I'm all about following those childhood dreams. So I love to hear that is like what your story is uh, is is like as well. And so thank you so much for joining me. And, um, and I hope that, you know, we'll connect again soon. Thanks, Christina. <laughs> that was Marina Edelman, owner of Edelman Counseling. To enter to win a free Gottman relationship assessment, all you have to do is go like at edelman.counseling and at Conejo Valley Visionaries on Instagram and comment on the latest post at Conejo Valley Visionaries with your favorite takeaway from this episode. 
Screenshot this episode and tag element.counseling and Conejo Valley Visionaries to get an extra entry. Good luck. Make sure to subscribe to Conejo Valley Visionaries wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. And follow us at Conejo Valley Visionaries on Instagram to learn more about each guest and enter our weekly giveaways. If you want to share your visionary story on the podcast, send us a DM. We are always open to guest nominations. This episode was produced by Christina Denstead and Justin K. Sloan. Conejo Valley Visionaries is edited by Justin K. Sloan and Jay Sloan Productions.